0: Short Stories of Misadventures in Morocco Excerpts from the book, With Open Arms Written and narrated by me, Matthew Felix A Turkish Bath in Morocco During the entire year I lived in Istanbul, I never made it to a hammam. Given that I'm ordinarily keen on taking full advantage of the cultural experiences that are unique to... Or especially in this case, even emblematic of the places I visit, I'd never been able to forgive myself for the oversight. Just like the old Turkish toilets, those glorified holes in the ground over which countless legions of squatters have played a bizarre sort of scatological target practice, Turkish baths have a long history all their own. Over time, they became fixtures not only in their homeland, but far beyond its borders, particularly throughout the Arab world. Consequently, it came as little surprise when in an otherwise relatively uninspired stop in my travels, I discovered a hammam not far from my hotel. I didn't give it a second thought. The time had come to right a horrible wrong, one that had weighed on my conscience for far, far too long. I was going to a Turkish bath in Morocco. I asked the two women at the hotel front desk for the lowdown. I already knew that whereas in Turkey, a towel wrapped around the waist was customary. In Morocco, men were required to wear bathing suits. I wondered what else I needed to know. Both women seemed delighted I had not only shown an interest in, but was actually about to partake of, one of their most hallowed traditions. Taking me under their wings as if temporarily adopting a son, they briefed me on the do's and don'ts. They also provided me with flip-flops and a colorful plastic pail. Feeling like a child headed for a day at the beach... Rather than a grown man seeking a deeper connection to a people and place through an ancient ritual, I set off to make peace with my past and expand my cultural horizons. Easily finding my way to the hammam, I opened the door and stepped inside. A subdued peace and quiet of the sort usually reserved for places of worship reigned over a small lobby, a dimly lit, self-contained world somehow impervious to the blinding midday sun and the cacophony of the city outside. A staircase climbed upwards to my left, coming to an abrupt halt at a closed door. Benches lined the wall opposite me, as well as the one to my right, the reception area also serving as changing room, oddly enough. Under each bench were small cubby holes with doors, while overhead were narrow, cloudy windows, more effective at holding the daylight at bay than allowing it inside. Before beginning the tragic descent into its present state of neglect, the building had seen much better days signs of its faded glory discernible everywhere I looked. The ceiling that had once soared majestically overhead had been begging for a new coat of paint for years, blemished by peeling patches so deep they exposed bone-white plaster. The carpets were threadbare, their worn fibers like veins stripped of their flesh. And the flight of the once elegant stairway had been grounded, cluttered by haphazard piles of boxes and all sorts of forgotten junk. On the other side of the room, an old man sat behind a simple desk. He saw me enter, but neither said a word nor moved a muscle. I couldn't help but wonder if he hadn't been there as long as the hammam itself, having become an inseparable part of it, a lover who'd be lost without it. I walked over and inquired how much it would cost to use the baths. Would you like a massage? he asked. I hadn't expected the question, but I didn't have to think twice about the answer. I'd been traveling for almost a week. Burdened by a large backpack and sitting on cramped buses for hours at a time, my back a contorted mass of knots. A massage was exactly what my sore and aching body needed. I paid the man and found a place on one of the benches. Taking off my clothes, I put on my bathing suit, a little self-conscious doing so in plain sight of the stoic set of eyes observing me from such a short distance away. It wasn't until I went to put my belongings in a cubbyhole that I noticed there weren't any locks on the doors. The cubbies were little more than cupboards, as opposed to full-fledged lockers. I hesitated, once again turning to the man, who had anticipated my question and gestured dismissively. He was sitting right there, and no one else was around. Besides, I had left my passport and other valuables at the hotel. I didn't have anything to worry about. Once I was ready, the man ushered me through a door to his right, into a room that might have been unremarkable had it not contrasted so dramatically with the reception area. It was as if I'd unknowingly made the descent to a lower level of the edifice, a tenebrous netherworld where the walls, floor, and ceiling were all made of the same gray stone. A heavy vapor hung on the air, and light was scarce, as though unwelcome there. I was now alone, uneasy like someone arriving at a haunted house in the middle of nowhere, only to find the door closed behind them. In this case, however... I was standing in the darkness, wearing a bathing suit and flip-flops, and holding a silly plastic pail I could have been using to build sandcastles. Everything seemed a little off. It wasn't long before an enormous older man emerged out of nowhere. He was, to be sure, an astonishing sight, a fleshy giant with the palest of skin, the thinnest of hair, and the dimmest and dullest of expressions. Everything about him suggested that if he had ever seen the light of day, he had no recollection of it. Just like me, he carried a bucket, which he dipped into a large basin of steaming water on the other side of the room. Unlike me, he wore an obscenely small, dingy pair of underwear that clung precariously to his sweaty buttocks and groin. Saturated to lurid transparency, it came nowhere close to containing the fleshy undulations of his enormous body. In spite of myself, I stared like a voyeuristic witness to a car wreck, snapped out of my stupor only when he turned and looked my way, our eyes locking. Diverting my gaze, I wondered where my masseur was. Maybe I was being impatient, but it seemed he was taking an unreasonably long time to come find me. He was probably just finishing up with another customer, I told myself, trying to relax. For all I knew, he was still preparing the room, putting clean sheets on the massage table, or making sure he had everything else in order before our session. Often we discover that what we're looking for is right under our noses. Although the corpulent behemoth now lumbering toward me wouldn't have come even close to fitting under my nose, which scarcely reached beyond his hairy navel, it turned out that he was, nonetheless, exactly what I had been looking for. "'Massage?' he asked, with what seemed like a mischievous grin. I wondered why he suddenly looked so happy. Overwhelmed by the uneasy feeling, I was about to become the butt of a very bad joke. "'Uh, yeah,' I hesitated." my eyes darting in all directions in the hopes of finding a quick way out. I didn't have the guts to tell him that putting myself at the mercy of a nearly naked ogre three times my size made me a little uncomfortable. Instead, though kicking and screaming inside, outside I offered no resistance, obediently following my captor deeper into the darkness. While it didn't even come close to the descriptions I had heard of beautiful old marble-covered Turkish hammams, the main chamber wasn't completely devoid of charm. The walls and floor were identical to those in the previous room, and as such relatively plain. But the ceiling took the form of an elegant dome perforated by tiny circular windows. Through each of their translucent panes, a precise beam pierced the steamy obscurity, affording the naked eye just enough light to get a sense of the surroundings. The man gestured for me to sit down on a stone bench and rinse myself with the hot water from the basin. I did so, after which he went to get more. Looking around, I noticed there were only two other men in the hammam engaged in hushed conversation on the far side of the room I would have preferred there be a few more people but at least I was no longer alone When the man returned with the water he seemed to be gesturing for me to get onto the floor I knew that couldn't be right but I had no way of asking him to clarify since my attempts first in French then in Spanish and finally in English were all met with silence Not interested in dilly-dallying the monsieur took me by the hand raising it so I'd stand up. Once I had, he again pointed to the floor, more commandingly this time. Not only could it be right, but it was. He wanted me on my knees. Despite my hesitance, I reluctantly obeyed, reminding myself he was the one who knew how this was all supposed to work, not I. I just had to go with it. Or, to be more precise, I just had to kneel before him, not actually going anywhere at all. The giant wasted no time dousing my upper body yet again, only to then unleash a full-on assault with a soapy wet rag. For the first time since entering the hammam, I began to relax. The water was warm, and it felt good, as did having someone attentively scrub my body. The deep cleaning went well beyond what I could do on my own, removing layers of all sorts of grime I hadn't even realized was there. I felt something akin to when sitting in a barber's chair the soothing touch on my scalp always lulling me into a state of utter relaxation, if not gentle slumber. No sooner had he finished scouring my upper body and arms than I had the surreal impression the man was making another, even more bizarre request. Rather than merely kneel on the floor, he seemed to be asking me to lie down on it. I'm not even remotely a germaphobe. Unless you're about to perform surgery, I think hand sanitizer is ridiculous. Yet another product cleverly designed and ingeniously marketed to keep consumers in a constant state of paranoia. I'll drink from friends' cups, I never bother to put antiseptic on cuts, and I am an unapologetic lifelong adherent to the three-second rule, rarely having any issues picking up food that's fallen to the floor and putting it into my mouth without the slightest hesitation. But this wasn't just any floor. This was a grimy, slimy floor, the same floor on which my maternal hotel guardians had insisted I wear flip-flops, an absolute hygienic necessity, protection against an untold number of unimaginable health hazards lying on the damp stone like predators in wait. a floor rising up from which I was almost certain I could hear the mating calls and battle cries of countless unknown strains of bacteria, fungi that were sure to colonize each and every crevice of my body, and viruses that science had yet to develop any means of combating. All of them were glaring up at me like lions pacing around their den, greedily anticipating how they would ravage their next meal when it fell from the sky. Kowtowing to be at the right level for the masseur to do his job was one thing. Pressing my entire body against the mysterious muck on the floor was another altogether. It didn't matter. Before I could protest something I probably wouldn't have done anyway, for reasons I've already explained the giant had taken me by the shoulders and pushed me toward the floor. By no means was he violent but neither did he leave any doubt as to what I was supposed to do. Lying on my back, my body was soon riddled with anxiety, like the ceiling was its tiny holes. I could no longer see the masseur, so I had no idea what he was doing, or going to do, and I couldn't stop thinking about the fact I was lying in filth. When my own dead skin, clumps of hair, and unseen microbes had tumbled to the floor, no one had run out from behind a curtain to mop it all up, Who else's dirt, germs, and bodily fluids had welcomed mine as they joined them in a debaucherous orgy? On second thought, never mind, I didn't want to know. After all, it was now all over my back, which whether merely due to the power of suggestion or because of infectious outbreaks now underway, had begun to itch. It was then that the giant reappeared, coming between me and the constellation of lights overhead like the moon eclipsing not only the sun, but all the stars. Despite the stifling heat, his dark shadow gave me a foreboding chill. For the first time it occurred to me that if he decided to harm me in any way, there wasn't a thing I could do about it, something I struggled with even more as he proceeded to climb all over my body. Besides having all 300 plus of his fleshy pounds ready to crush me at any moment, should he slip on the wet stone or his arms buckle under his own weight, what was to come involved not only scalding water, but a new rag that may as well have been made of steel wool. News the next phase was underway shot from one end of my nervous system to the other like a summer wildfire backed by strong winds. Between the blistering temperature of the water and the stinging fibers of the rag, I wasn't sure what hurt more. While I gave it some thought, the giant made his way up my body, beginning with my legs, deferentially bypassing the family jewels, and proceeding up my torso. Once he got to my shoulders, he extended each of my arms as if he were also about to crucify me. Truth be told, it probably would have felt better than what followed. As though letting out a lifetime of anger to which he'd never been able to give voice, the giant took it up a notch. His massive gut mere inches from my face, he scrubbed my helpless body with a relentless fury. I closed my eyes and shut my mouth as a salty shower of sweat rained down on me, holding my breath. It was agonizing, and I wasn't sure it was ever going to end. Just as I was about to reach my breaking point, it finally did or so I thought. While I was still writhing in pain, breathless like a fish flopping around on the bow of a boat, my so-called masseur jumped into a bizarre practice that would have been completely foreign to any massage therapist I've ever known. To a pastry chef, on the other hand, the technique would have been all too familiar. Like dough that needed to be molded into a perfect pie crust, he began pinching both sides of my torso from top to bottom. Hard. It was excruciating, the steel wool paling in comparison. I couldn't help but wonder if there'd be any skin left on my body when the sadistic ritual was finally over. As I was about to let out a desperate cry that would require no translation, the giant finished putting the final touches on what was essentially the icing on the cake. Successfully making the Herculean effort to stand back up, he then retreated to some place deep in the hammam's secret underworld, leaving me flinching on the floor like a bug that's been smashed. But isn't quite dead. Staring up at the pretty beams of light, I wondered why they were spinning. I have no idea how long I lay there. I was stunned, struggling with exactly what part of the ordeal could have possibly been considered the massage. When it finally came time to peel myself from the floor, I felt like an egg stuck to a dirty frying pan. I practically needed someone to scrape me off it. Given that my entire body felt so raw, I also couldn't help but wonder if the giant hadn't drawn blood, which almost seemed to have been his goal. Once I succeeded in propping myself upright, I sat in the steam for a short while longer, my senses slowly returning to me. Repeatedly reliving the absurd experience in an attempt to make sense of it, I eventually conceded there was no point and decided to head back to the hotel. No sooner did I get to my room than I stood in the mirror and took off my shirt. I hadn't been imagining things. In the reflection of my torso, I beheld four butchered patches of flesh where blood had seeped to the surface. Some of it had already scabbed, while other areas were still speckled with bright red drops of freshly oxygenated blood. The giant had indeed been so rough, he had made me bleed. If lying on the floor of the hammam was potentially risky, what could be the ramifications of doing so with open wounds? I prayed the water had been hot enough to kill any infectious agents and hoped for the best. Hand sanitizer suddenly sounded like just what the doctor ordered.